Hello, everyone. This is Tommy at World at War Comics. Another amazing guest um, we have for you this week, Wes Loker. He is the uh, writer, creator of Unit 44. You could get this comic book at alternacomics.com. Um, hilarious. If you love comedy, if you love sci-fi, this is the perfect mashup for you. Um, they are just finished their Kickstarter for issue seven, a successful Kickstarter, and that should be coming out in June. Um, but you could go to Alterna Comics and you could get all the back issues. If you can't find them there, you could go to westloker.com. But without further ado, here's our conversation with Wes. It was a fun one. Talk soon, everyone. Well, hello, everyone. Today, our guest is uh, Wes Loker. He is the writer creator for Unit 44 and a bunch of other stuff. Wes, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I wish I had brought more action figures. Now that I, I see your setup back there, I feel like adequately understaffed. <laughs> I am uh, slightly addicted to McFarlane um, and Marvel Select toys, mainly McFarlane. I love it. But, uh, I grew up a big DC guy, so I, I love all that kind of stuff. I would love to do something like that, except for I, I have a four-year-old. So like the chances yes. of those staying up are just like nil. Yeah, I think I'm a little older than you, Wes. So all my kids are adults. I have a Lucky 17 year old. You. Yeah, I have a 17 year old. She'll be uh, 18 in June, but uh, the other three are all adults. So I'm I'm pretty fortunate, or I would not be able to do this either. Or I'd have to keep. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Nieces and it. nephews come over. I, I freak out a little bit. So I bet you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'm talking about my uh, passion. I love DC. That's kind of how uh, I got introduced into comics. You know, Justice League back in the day, X-Men in the 80s, obviously G.I. Joe, He-Man were big parts of my uh, growing up um, being an 80s kid. But uh, how about you? How did you get into comic books, Wes? Well, that's a funny story. I, I actually got into comics through um, my love of the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I, I was born in the, the mid 80s. So grew up with all the awesome like 90s cartoons and stuff. I oh, yeah. uh, fell in love with the turtles as, you know, most young adolescent boys that age did. <laughs> and uh, I remember one day while I was at, um, I was with my mom at like the the pharmacy in town and um, she would go and do whatever she did, get her prescriptions filled. Who knows what she was really doing since we don't pay attention to adults. And I was wandering <laughs> around and I found a, a spinner rack full of comics. Nice. And what they had done at that point was there was a, there was a turtles title uh, that basically like what they did was they kind of like repurposed the TV episodes as a comic. I think it was like TMNT adventures or, yeah. you know, something like that. And so like, I recognized the episode that the, the issue um, was, was building on. So I, I picked that up and then the, you know, from then on, I was like, oh, I can't wait for mom to fill her prescriptions again. <laughs> and so there were there were lots of comics that they had. They had like Archie and, and the Turtles and then some some G.I. Joe stuff as well. Yeah. And so I just started like buying whatever was there because they were cheap and it was fun entertainment. And my my mother was an English teacher. So anything to get me to read was a good thing to her. So she was totally on board. And and after a couple of years of doing that, basically, after I bought out like the entire spinner rack, <laughs> uh, my my dad said, hey, you know, do you realize that there's a there's a place here in town and all they sell is comic books? And I was like, what? Like, no, 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 that can't that can't be a real place. So um, it was it was actually like right down the block from where he worked. He was a newspaper reporter. So he was uh -huh. a writer. And um, so, yeah, writer, writer, father, English teacher, mother. So writing it's all was like together from me, Wes. It's all coming together, man. It's all coming together. <laughs> I was being like trained like an assassin <laughs> from a young age. Um, so, yeah, so I went to the, the comic shop for the first time and 
and just you know fell in love with it fell in love with the environment um you know my i just i didn't know that there were so many comic books so at that point i started to get more into you know the marvel stuff and uh, i was always a big marvel guy you were a big dc guy so we should probably fight by the end of this or something um but the funny thing was is that i you know i didn't realize that comic books only came out once a week so Anytime that we would go like into town, we lived kind of out in the country. So it was, it was a big, big deal to go into town. Um, my mom would, would drop me off at the comic shop while she ran whatever errand she had. And I would just spend hours in there. So I got to know the, the staff and the owner really well. And, and I'm in like maybe third or fourth grade by this point. Um, so I'm just, you know, I'm just buying stuff and, and I'm probably like in retrospect, it was a small town. So I'm probably like the only person that's shopping in this comic shop. I'm probably <laughs> keeping them afloat. Um, but because like I would buy up all the, the Marvel comics, they started to pull out other cool things that I'd never heard of. So like they would get in kind of the old nineties black and white stuff. So after a while they'd be like, Oh, here's a comic book called the tick. You might like this. Uh -huh. It's like, I do like this. Give me more of this. And then that introduced me to, you know, stuff like bone and, and scud the disposable assassin and just all these really weird, like nineties comics. And, and they just don't make them like that anymore. Um, yeah, so that yeah. those comics, those kind of like indie books were the ones that really ignited my imagination and, and made me say like, hey, one day I would like to kind of try this. And, and it took many, many years until I, I got on that path. Um, but I'm thankful to them for kind of spreading that love and not just keeping me in the mainstream. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. What a great story. And I think yeah. in essence, right, we all can kind of relate to that, especially as a kid riding your bike or whatever, being dropped off and spending mm -hmm. hours there and having like $3 and you're like, okay, what fit <laughs> can I buy and which one should I get this week? And that's yeah. awesome. Man. Yeah, totally. My parents would always get me like for my birthday or Christmas, they'd give me a gift certificate. So I started amassing like you know, I would go into like the ooh, the graphic novel section and get like some of those big books. And so, yeah, I mean, I just, I just had everything. I didn't, I didn't discriminate. Like I didn't, yeah. I didn't find myself drawn to like the DC heroes quite as much as the Marvel characters, but you know, I, I gave everything a fair shake because it was all amazing. The art was fantastic. The stories were out of this world. It was, yeah. you know, I'm, I try to be as equal opportunity as possible when it comes to comics because every story has the potential to be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. No, good point. Good point. I think, uh, I mean, that's one of the passions around indie comics that I love, right? We, I think most people know most of the, at least the key, the core, the Avengers and the Spider-Mans of the world. And then on the DC side, the Justice Leagues of the world, um, totally. the indie comics, and all of a sudden there's this whole other world that mm -hmm. uh, I don't think could ever take place in DC or Marvel. Um, and there's, uh, I think there's a, a need to be open to that because you get into some really cool, fun stories um so i agree with you i once you start to get outside of the two big two which i love the big two that's not a, a shot at them I, I still read quite a bit of them but uh man indie comics i'm just so excited about because you get into these stories that they just don't fit because of canon and, and history and all that right. stuff but man this whole other world that could be created is a lot of fun totally and, and you know think about like with the big two, you got to maintain the status quo. We can't change the characters too much. Can't, you know, keep anybody dead for very long. And, yeah. and in the indie world, you can take chances. You can kind yeah. of tell those, those big stories that have a finite ending and that can really make all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. So then you, uh, you know, a little bit later you start writing. What was the first comic that you did as a writer? Oh, geez. So, so I had, I basically, 
spent my twenties convincing myself that I was going to be a rock star. So I played in, oh, nice. I played in like bands and toured and made records and stuff for all of my twenties. Awesome. And then after all that imploded and I got tired of that, I was like, let me go back to this, this thing that I had always loved, which is writing. I, I had done a lot in my youth, had notebooks full of stories, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I kind of went back to that and I was like, maybe now's the time to actually try to try to write that comic book that I always wanted to do. So I basically spent like a year, I started in 2011 and I just started, you know, reading scripts because there was, there were resources online by this point, you know, the internet was full of, of places where you could, you could kind of see how the pros did it. Right. Uh, so I read a lot of scripts, just started writing stuff out. Uh, the first thing I did was. Uh, it was like a little space comic, a little sci-fi thing. It, it never, we did one issue of it. I found an artist to collaborate with and and it never went anywhere, but it was a really good experience. Um, a lot of first time comic creators I talked to, you know, they want to uh, make their big sweeping 60 issue epic. I'm like, oh, that's such a terrible idea because you don't know what you're doing. You're going to make all these mistakes and this story that you love so much, eventually you're going to look back on it and you're not even going to be able to read it because you're just going to see what's wrong with it, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm glad that I kind of made those mistakes early and, and it made me realize like, hey, I, I don't need to be doing like a full issue right now. I need to do short stories. So I started like um, collaborating with others, artists to do two pagers, three pagers, five pagers. And I started submitting those to anthologies. Mm. And then from there I did, I moved up and I started doing one shots that were like 20 pages or 32 pages and just kind of gradually worked my way up to where I was finally doing those mini series and doing those graphic novels. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Was that Chambers? Does that ring a bell? Yeah, that was that was the first graphic novel that I did. So an oh, interesting wow. story with that one. Um, and so that, that's a, it's a crime fiction story. And if you're familiar with my work, you you don't think of Wes and crime fiction in the same, you know, the same <laughs> sentence. Well, I've only, and, um, I've only had the honor to read Unit 44 and I was laughing. So when you mentioned Tick, I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure. Tick had an impact on you. Oh, man. Yeah. You can see Tick, Earthworm Jim or the two yeah. that I grew up with and I loved in the 90s, even the TV show in the 90s. Mm-hmm. was awesome. But yeah, yeah. Chamber. So so that's a, a sci fi. I would say uh, it's a straight up hard boiled like crime story about oh. a, uh, a detective who's who's kind of her family's getting killed and she has to figure out who's killing them before they get to her. So I got out of comics for a really long time while I was in college and doing the music thing. And kind of what brought me back were I I started, I realized, oh, wow, I can buy comics online now because again, the internet was kind of coming up. And, and so I just basically spent, you know, 2011, not only like reading scripts, but also just kind of catching up on comics. And what a lot of what got me back into it was like um, Ed Brubaker's Criminal and some of the crime stuff that Brian Michael Bendis had done. So naturally, we as creatives, we say, oh, I want to emulate this thing that I like. So, you know, I came back and I was like, I'm going to do a crime story. And um, thankfully, you know, I I worked with um, the artist Christian Rossi on that, who's a big guy. He's done a lot of work for Ed Alterna, uh, has drawn a lot of series and is just an amazing artist. So we kind of came up together and, and did that. And it was published by Arcana Comics back in, I want to say 2013 and, mm-hmm. you know, made like zero money, but it was nice to have somebody believe in <laughs> us and, and kind of give us a platform to do what we do. And again, I just, I learned so much just by going through that process. I can't, I can't really look at that book anymore because I just <laughs> see all the things that are wrong with it, yeah. but um, awesome experience. And, and that kicked off, that was the first kind of mini series slash graphic novel I'd done. And after that, the, the floodgates were open. I'd gone through the process. I knew how to do it. And, it was kind of off to the races from there. <laughs> That's awesome. So then after that, I think Undoubtables, does that ring a bell? 
Yeah, so the undoubtable was then. That 2013 timeframe, maybe? It, it was, um, you know, I, I think I signed the contract for the Undoubtables before Chambers, but the process of making that comic was just a little bit longer. And so that was another, it was like a kind of crime heist comic, very like Ocean's Eleven-y. Okay. But what was cool about that and how that kind of fits into kind of my journey is I started to work in humorous elements to ah. that story. So it was like a crime story, but the characters were kind of silly and uh, they had a, like a fun banter and fun interplay. Yeah. And I, I really like that book. And I don't know that anybody's ever read it. And I, I wish more people would because I still think it's really good. Awesome. Um, but I, I started to find my voice with that book. I was like, okay, like it's really easy for me to kind of work in these like little gags and, and this, this yeah. banter and this interplay. And I was like, I, I want to do more of that. So, you know, as as you work your way through the catalog here, you'll notice things start to get sillier and sillier. Yeah, I love and then it. We I love end, it. And then we end at Unit 44, which is yeah. like the most bonkers thing ever. I love it, though. I love that kind of comedy. All right. So then we get into a drift with Titan Comics, I think, was after that. Yeah. Is, so that was actually uh, just a, more that of that. A, sh a short that I did. Um, I, okay. I entered it. I entered their Undiscovered Talent competition with um, and did like a five page all ages sci fi short uh, with an artist. His name is Alex Diodo, who still works in the industry and has done a lot of cool stuff as well. Awesome. Um, and we we just put that together. We kind of came up with it and like just maybe like a week or so and did it really quick and, and won the competition so that oh, we cool were that? public. Yeah, we were published by Titan and that was kind of a cool, you know, come out swinging type of situation. Yeah, that's awesome. So it started off as like a short four or five pages and then did it eventually become like a 22, 25 page? Uh, so that's that story. Um, it, it kind of indirectly inspired another comic that I did called Awry, which came out. Right. An action lab like, comics, right? came out through action lab and um they it wasn't with the same artist i had a, i worked with another artist named graham jarvis for that book um and that's a, a bonker sci-fi kind of dark <laughs> comedy about a bunch of astronauts who go to investigate a black hole but it takes them 10 years to get there so by the time they get to the black hole they all hate each other and they kind of <laughs> have to come together when things start to go wrong to to make it back home so that really kind of solidified okay i'm okay with just being ridiculous at this yeah point. i love it man i love it i have to yeah. pick those ones man because i love sci-fi and uh man a funny sci-fi is what i need and then uh, I yeah i actually just read read reread that comic um i was trying to see if i had already used a comedic idea so i was rereading it on the toilet a few days ago and i was like oh this still holds up yeah but that's just a peek into my life yeah, yeah, hey man, it's it's the same window to most men, I think. It's That's true. <laughs> only time that you get a chance where no one will bug you. Usually, yes. uh, usually, usually, uh, and then we get into like Bug Slugger. Tell me about that one. Oh, man, Bug Slugger is, is a comic that's near and dear to my heart. So, um, I, I kind of co-created and co-wrote that with um with a uh, just a wonderful friend of mine by the name of Lock Ness, who who I've known for almost ten years at this point. Uh -huh. um, and and we did a couple of like fan comics together. We did some short comics for like Bucky O'Hare and the Battletoads. And we just started doing this random stuff. Yeah. And we kind of came up with this idea. Like we both, like I said, we both grew up kind of in the, the 80s, 90s period. And, and we have a lot of nostalgia for that. So he's a big fan of like tokusatsu television. We both love the Power Rangers. We yeah. thought like, what if we have like a Power Ranger character, but he powered up with slap bracelets. And every slap bracelet like gave him a different weapon or gave him a different ability. And so that was kind of the genesis um, of that ridiculous story. And, and he basically has to 
you know, protect his city from an ill-tempered narwhal character. And it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it is so much fun. So, yeah, if um, if people, you know, if they like Unit 44, that's the next logical step for them is, is check that out because it's so it's so dumb in all the best ways. Yeah, yeah. And and you said that that one was near and dear to your heart. Can you go into more detail why that is so dear to you? Yeah, um, really, because like I, I like to keep my creative teams pretty small. Uh, oh. If you look just historically through all the projects I've done, um, I, I love collaborating with people. I love creating ideas with people. I, I don't think that I I have the best ideas. I know that my ideas can be strengthened by a great artist or or a great colorist. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that was an idea that we we literally just like came up with it through text messages. We thought, oh, this is such a dumb idea. And then we would try to kind of outdo each other on the ridiculousness. And and then we would work those ideas into the comic. So it was really like, I think that book, um, even though the story is, is actually really good. The story is really mature for what it is. Um, But it's a situation where I think that we created something that only we could have created just within that, that particular time span. Um, so I look at it and I go, oh, wow, this is this is something that I literally got to make with one of my best friends. <laughs> That's so cool, man. I love yeah. it. I love it. All right, man. We jump right into Obsoletes. Yes. Yeah, so the Obsoletes is is a series that's actually going on right now. Uh, we released the first issue uh, last year. It, come, it It's being published through a company called Silverline Comics, which is made up of a bunch of old school people from Malibu comics they've oh, kind Malibu. of come back and and do this and, and I know the publisher he's actually a really good friend of mine um so he he invited me to to pitch that series he, he knew he wanted something sci-fi in the catalog and I kind of had this idea um about um like intergalactic miners who who get frozen in time and when they kind of come out of hibernation it's a whole different world and they're feeling obsolete and how do they kind of prove themselves so very much a story it's still silly it's it's sci-fi it's like half love letter to like aliens and then like stupid jokes kind of pushed <laughs> together. Um, but that's been really fun. We we put out the first issue last year. The second issue is I'm actually lettering it now. So it's going to oh. hit uh, Kickstarter in June. So it's still going, even though it's a, it's a little bit of a slow burn. So we got to make sure that we tell everybody June timeframe to look out for that one, huh? For sure. For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Then we jump right into, I think it's hipsters versus rednecks. Like, I don't know how old all that is, but there was a bunch of them that you did with, I think it's primary target press. Yeah. So primary target press is kind of like my own little imprint. So whenever I had just like a one shot that I was putting out on like comiXology or something at the time, I just would slap that on it because you had to put like a publisher name in there. So um, primary target press is, is a callback to, uh, my favorite comic of all time, which is Scud the Disposable Assassin, which has to do with an assassin who has a primary target that he has to keep alive. Yeah. Um, so it's a little it's a little uh, call on a wink to that. Uh, so it. Hipsters versus Rednecks is exactly what it sounds like. I mean, it's <laughs> it's the apocalypse has happened. There's two factions remaining, the Hipsters and the Rednecks, and they both want to control one city. And um, wackiness and ridiculousness ensues. I think it's funny that they're the last two remaining. That's <laughs> it's it's logical, you know, if you really think about it. Yeah, I love it, man. I love it. Well, you did quite a few things uh, under that label. So all of these are on uh, Comixology, like Edison. Uh, I think the Temporal Maintenance. They, I don't know that they are all on Comixology now because when when it kind of got absorbed by Amazon and became yeah. terrible. It um, unfortunately, they were like, "Oh, we're deleting your stuff, and you have to re-upload it." So it's been kind of a slow. 
process. Yeah. I have Bug Slugger back up there. That that's available in Comixology, but I don't think anything else is right now. However, I do have um, like a digital store that you can get to through my website, where if somebody wants to download a PDF of that for a buck, they can. Or I actually have print issues of most of those as well that I will happily ship to your door. Nice. And then uh, what's that website? Uh, it's just my name, WesLoker.com. Nice, nice. We'll have to check that out too. Very cool. All right, then we jump into uh, Unit 44. That's how I got to know your work. Uh, it's nice to know that I, I toiled away for 10 years and you hadn't heard of me. <laughs> I know, isn't that sad? <laughs> That's my fault, Wes, not yours. It's okay. Yours. I forgive you. I forgive you. <laughs> I pre- but I, I do love Unit 44. So if you go to Alterna, most of the single issues are sold out. So it's true. Yeah. I, I still have copies of them, though. They're, they're available in my web store. We okay. also... Uh, we actually have um, Unit 44 holds the record for being the most published comic by Alterna Comics. No so yeah. we published it originally. We've actually been with Alterna for eight years now. Wow. And somehow we've only released six issues. But it's a, you know, that aside. Yeah, um, yeah. let's not talk about that. Let's not talk we about released it digitally <laughs> and then we released a, a graphic novel. Oh. And then we released the newsprint editions and then we released a giant and now wow. we're doing like all the single issues. So, yeah. so I just have a closet full of stuff that I will happily <laughs> uh, sell to people. Nice. Well, what, what was great is, <clears throat> excuse me, the 96 page one is the yes. one we got our hands on. They, those mm-hmm. are still available on Alterna. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, is this issues one through five, maybe something like that? That's uh, one through four. One through four. Yeah. So to if you want to get your hands on the story, you got to get this one the 96 pager on Alterna, or you go to Wes's uh, website and you could pick up the single issues. But I, I had a blast reading this. I thought it was hilarious. Um, I love the banter back and forth. I think it's Hatch and Gibson. Um, And then they report to, is it Ballard agent Ballard? That's right. Oh, and he's hilarious. So yeah, it was a great story. Um, I don't know how much you want to get into. I think people should buy it, but in essence, right there, they they have a storage unit where they're keeping something that they shouldn't be keeping in a storage unit, and they forget to pay the bill, and then all hell breaks loose after that. I think that's kind of the essence of at least the first four issues. If I that's well, correct me if I'm wrong, Wes, but uh, that was, I mean, what a crazy, (laughs) crazy story. No, no, you you hit the nail on the head, and and uh, the story kind of came around because I was watching um an episode of Storage Wars with my wife one day, and I and I leaned over to her, and I and for for those who may not know, Storage Wars is about people who buy they buy storage units at auction, sight unseen, and then they try to turn the contents for profit, right? So, um, as we were watching it, I leaned over to my wife, and I was like, "Wait, what if somebody found?" like the microfilm of like who killed JFK in one of these storage units. And then immediately, like I got up and I left the room and she's like, where are you going? And I was like, I have an idea. <laughs> and um, so I, I wrote out, you know, what became unit 44, which is inept area 51 employees forget to pay the rent on their storage unit and it sold at auction. Right. <laughs> and so um, it didn't change from that kind of kernel of an idea. And, and I told it to some of my friends and I said, this is the new comic idea I'm thinking of doing. And all of my friends said, that's a terrible idea. Don't waste your time. Really? And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And so I, I did it. I did the the first four issues with the artist Ed Jimenez. And uh, so the first four this, issues, by the way, he's incredible. He's, I look at this artwork. It's amazing. Wonderful human. I, I love him dearly. And so he, and I did the first four issues, which is that complete story that I just kind of gave the gist of. Yeah. And then um, we wanted to keep it going. And, and Peter at Alterna, um, he was trying to, he really wanted comics that could be ongoing series. He wanted it to be something where people could latch on for the long term. And 
so during the the COVID nineteen shenanigans, I, I I was not feeling like I had enough joy in my life. So I thought like, you know, this is probably the time to bring back Unit Forty Four. So I had all these ideas that I just kind of been scribbling in notebooks, and I was like, I, I have like you know ten issues worth of material here. I should I should get on board. The problem was is that um, in the time since we had done that series, Ed had become a full time artist. He's working for board game companies he was working with funko like he was doing big things and so like i knew that he wasn't going to be available to draw the series moving forward so i had to kind of figure out like okay who can i get so i, I went to peter and i said i'd love to bring back the series ed can't do it um but what if we do like each story is completely self-contained they go on a case kind of like x-files style um they investigate something mysterious or we just show like what day-to-day -day is life is like inside of Area 51 because you can, you know, the options are limitless. We don't yeah. know what happens no there. Knows, so right? let's just, yeah, let's just play with that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so Pete loved that idea. He loved the kind of the serialized nature of it. That, that um, If you pick up any of the issues, you know, after four, like you don't have to know anything about the characters other than these dudes are idiots. <laughs> and uh, and you can jump in. Like any, every issue could be someone's first issue and it'll make total sense. So I, I love that element. I was lucky enough to find um, the artist Alex Jovich, mm -hmm. who um, who had drawn the series Mr. Crypt at Alterna. Oh, yeah. And that was the book that I love because um, I'm always looking for stuff that I can share with my daughter, even mm -hmm. though she can't read. You know, she likes to look at the pictures. And so sure. I would show her that because she's really into like weird stuff and skeletons. And yeah. so we got a kick out of looking at that. And I thought, well, you know, why don't I just reach out to this guy like i knew mr crypt was ending and i was like this guy's gotta you know gotta do something with his time right he should <laughs> he should hang out with me yeah, um, yeah for sure. and so i just i emailed him and and it turns out that we like we're this we're the same age we both have kids we both have the same cultural touch points we both have the same sense of humor so yeah. it's just like a perfect match and we just dove right in and he's a machine so he knocked out like all these issues really really quick um, so we're, we, you know, we've just in the process of releasing issue seven yes. um, at the moment through the latest alternate comics pre-order campaign, which yep. was drawn by a different artist named Landon Franklin, who came in and, and kind of helped me out. Um, but Alex and I have done up like we're done with through issue 10 at this point. Nice. So we have a nice little stockpile that's kind of just sitting waiting. Um, I like that because it's not stressful. I don't like to work yeah. under deadline. I want to create something that's that we both feel good about. Yeah. Um, so we've just been having a blast. I mean, we'll just come up with silly ideas. Um, we, we also put like backup strips in every issue, just little one pagers to to see what we can kind of do with these characters. Alex recently like wrote and drew his his first strip with the agents. So, you know, it's <laughs> like we're just we're just having fun and trying to like jam out some some cool art. So I, I'm constantly telling him, like, just do all the things that all the other writers you've ever worked with didn't want you to do. I was like, this is a safe place to just go nuts. <laughs> that's awesome man yeah so i already pre-ordered seven and i was able to pick perfect. up the ones that were there but yeah man i just sci-fi i'm a big sci-fi guy but uh if you're not reading unit 404 you're missing out especially if you grew up with the tick earthworm jim those type of comics i i do feel like there's not enough of them i think there was For a sure. comic that just came out by dark horse white savior um i don't know if you heard of that one but i have not no it's another kind of funny um, comic book, a, a little bit okay. of a take on Japanese lore and and how this uh, like Westerner came in and uh, he saved the Japanese in a certain war. But it's it's not true. It's not based on history. It's just some nice. fairy tale, but it's a, a really funny take on it. 
But cool. yeah, I mean, Unifor, I wish we had more of this. So, I mean, if you love comedy and you love sci-fi, Unit 44 is a great mashup of that. So you're on a issue seven that will be released when Wes? Uh, it should be. I know those books are going to the printer probably like right around now. Um, so okay. if you if you pre-ordered those books, you'll have them probably sometime before the end of May, and gotcha. then they'll probably go for sale on the alternative site in like June. I would say um, issues five and six are are still available for order there. If if anybody wants to get caught up and kind of see what what we're doing. And then um, the the goal is to you know release anywhere from three to four new issues each year until they tell us to stop. Yeah, yeah. No, so I, I don't want to stop, and and we yeah. need people to buy the book so we don't have to stop. Yeah. So um, a little gentle prodding there for everyone. Exactly, exactly. So uh, I think issue seven was part of the Kickstarter, right? The the alternative was. Yeah. Yep. So in in that issue, as I mentioned, we have a we have a fill in artist for that. Yeah. Um, his name is Landon Franklin. He's somebody that um, I, I used to, I just moved recently, but I used to live in Ohio and I met him at the local conventions there. And, and he was somebody that I just vibed with and became friends with. And we always talked about working together. So we, we did a short comic a while back that Alternative published in one of their, it came out on the Wednesday anthologies. Okay. And then uh, we, when I was looking for people to contribute to Unit 44, I said, hey man, I have this issue uh, that's kind of like, he has this kind of like dark horror style. And I was like, I have this horror issue that I think that you would knock out of the park if you're down. Uh, he was a little nervous about the comedy aspects of it, but he nailed them. So I'm super excited for people to see his art and kind of give him a little bit of a bigger platform as well, because he deserves much more attention than he gets. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So what else are you working on? So you got Unit 44. Is there anything else that you're kind of playing around with that you could share? Uh, you know, it's like I, I went through, obviously we went through my back catalog and I, I went through kind of a period where I was like, let me just like put as much stuff out into the world as I possibly can. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that that was fun, but that was also exhausting. <laughs> so at the at the moment I have I have obsoletes, which which yeah. we're doing um, and I have unit 44 and I'm, I'm kind of just focusing on those two. Um, I do a lot of writing outside of comics as well. So some of the projects I'm currently working on are, are more in like the, the book arena. Uh -huh. Um, but what I wanted to do is I really wanted to take the, the budget that I had available and make unit 44 the best book yeah. that it could be and the most professional book that it could be. So, um, Alex and I, we worked with, um, with a colorist named Andrew Pate for many of the issues. He's kind of jumping on and off here and there as he has time. He's, he's amazingly talented. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that I was funneling those project funds into the best possible product possible. Yeah. So, Absolutely. um, but at the same time, it's like, I, I really want to, I want unit 44 to be my, my legacy, whatever that is like, sure. and I don't know why, cause it's such a dumb book, no, but, it's um, it's great. you know, I, it's like it. it's what I have the most fun doing and it's I write for a living. And so it's like when I can when I can like just do my own thing and get weird, like I want to do it in unit 44 because it's it can handle any type of story I can throw at it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, then you you kind of mentioned at the very beginning um, kind of your day life. So you're doing a lot of writing for video games. Can you go into that? a yeah. little? Because a lot sure. of the so, folks that like comic books are also gamers. So. That's awesome. And, nice. and I love video games as well. They've, they've yeah. been a, a big part of my youth. I don't have as much time to play them anymore as I would like, uh, just again, because I have a, a small child. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I work at a video game studio for a day job and, and I, I write video games. So we primarily produce games in the mobile world. We had a really big hit a couple of years ago 
um, called Project Makeover, which took mm -hmm. over the world for like a year and was the most downloaded game in like almost 200 countries. And, and wow. that was unexpected and awesome and yeah. an experience that I, I wasn't prepared for. Um, so now we're, you know, we're just kind of working on the next thing, trying to kind of recapture that magic and make billions more dollars in the process. <laughs> there you go. Is yeah. there a correlation between writing for video games and comic books? Oh, so much. There's so much crossover. And, yeah. and honestly, like I never aspired to work in video games. I really stumbled into it. Um, but it's funny because for some of the earliest jobs that I took on, I did, I did a lot of like freelance writing for years and years before I landed a full-time job. And I would use my comic books as like my application piece. Because um, what I realized is like people don't want to read like your prose. But if you send them a comic book, like they'll read that. Like, yeah. People love comics, you know. So um, it, it helps me in that like you got to think about like word balloons in comics. There's such like a word economy that comes with it. And there's like a rhythm and a cadence and a pacing and really nailing a character's voice. And that's been a helpful skill to translate. I also have a journalism background. So being like, clear and concise and, and saying the most amount, saying the most I can in the fewest words possible is a, is a very valuable skill. Uh, but then there's also like the video games, the thinking visually aspect of it. So it just as I'm communicating in comics uh, to an artist about what I want them to draw or would like them to draw, I'm doing the same thing on the video game side when I'm creating new characters and trying to describe to the artists like, you know, what's their vibe, what's their personality, kind of what should they be looking like. So yeah, I, I cross over constantly on those two things. And above all, um, I love the collaborative aspect of making video games, just like comics. Um, I can't make a comic by myself. I just don't have the, the artistic talent. I can write, I can letter, um, but beyond that, I'm useless. And in video games, it's kind of the same thing. I can, I can write, um, but I get to work with super talented artists and designers and engineers and people that can do numbers in their head. I can't do math. I basically became a writer, so I wouldn't have to do math. <laughs> and uh, so it, it's nice when we can, you know, we all make something out of nothing together, which is always a blast. Absolutely. And that is awesome, Wes, man. I, I can't tell you how uh, excited I am to meet you and to get into Unit 44. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about, and I, I've asked a lot of writers this, is the importance between, and I know you've kind of already touched on it, but the importance between that relationship that you have with the artist, obviously the colorist um, and the letter, if you're not doing it yourself, is extremely important too. But as you're trying to tell a story, how important is that artist? Because, you know, in comic books, right, you're limited to how much you could write. Right. Because the, the story, the picture should also be telling the story and the bubble should be really accenting those pictures at some times. Right. Like mm -hmm. it's almost a dance. I don't know if you could go into how important it is because it really helps tell that story and to be on that same page, I think, is crucial with your artist. Totally. And, and it's all about communication and it's all about like playing to to an artist's strengths. Yeah. Um, you know, comic books, we like we have the best artists in the world. I mean, you know, in, in an artist in comics, they, they have to be able to draw anything like from people to cars to horses. And those are like three of the hardest things to draw for anyone. Right. For sure. So the range that they have to display and the, the mastery that they have to have is just is super impressive to me. Um, when I first started off on, on comics, like I was very, and I think most people are like this, I, I overrode everything. I was very specific about what I wanted drawn and it had to be that way and yeah. to get my vision across. And in either, you know, just with experience or because of my old age, it's like I'm, I'm super chill now when it comes to that stuff. Like I, I want the people that I work with to say like, 
oh my gosh, it was just, it was so much fun to work with him because I got to do all these things that I've never gotten to do before. So now I'm on this mission to challenge the people that I work with and really like get them to, to do the things that they want to do that they've never been able to do before. And it's like, okay, here's a character, you know, make them look like whatever you want. I don't care if they're, you know, a human or a creature or just, just have fun with it. Make this something that you're going to look back on one day and be like, oh, I'm so glad that, that I had the opportunity to do that. And then when it comes to like the the lettering and the art working together, I always say that the biggest compliment that I can give to an artist is once I get their art back, uh, the biggest compliment I can give them is to remove my words from the page because their art has told the story sufficiently, whether that's an emotion or a or an establishing shot or like a vibe. Um, so I'm I'm always looking to like just get out of the way of them. Yeah. So if we can do if we can do a whole silent issue because they've just nailed the art so well. Like I would do that. It doesn't need my words on it. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm not that needy. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Well, Wes, I mean, uh, I don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to share that you're working on. We talked about your website. It's just with uh, westloker.com. So yeah. if you do want those, those first uh, four issues of Unit 44, or you want obsoletes or anything like that, that should all be on that website, correct? And, and some of yeah. your other work as well, correct? Totally. Yeah. If, if I have it available in my closet, it's on the website. I also do nice. like a lot of bundles to help people save money. So if you order, you know, you might get like two books for the price of one or, nice. and I also tend to throw in free stuff too. So if like, if you order and there's a comic that you didn't buy that I really want you to read, I'll just put it in the envelope. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And then obviously you can go to Alterna comics um, and for you sure. get, uh, at least the four first issues in the 96 page right now. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, we, I think we all look forward to issues eight, nine, and 10, since you're done through 10, at least. And yeah. uh, I hope it's a long-term, uh, um, comic book because it's something that I think everyone should get their hands on. If you love comedy, you love, uh, sci-fi, um, you're going to really love unit 44. Well, thank you so much for all the kind words and, and for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk not only about unit 44, but, um, you know, the, my wonderful collaborators and, and Alterna Comics, who I just, I adore. And I, I'm so glad to be aligned with them and I'm happy with everything that they have done for me and uh, all of the other awesome, awesome, awesome titles that come out of there. Yeah. Well, thank you, Wes. Really appreciate your time this morning and uh, we wish you the very best. And hopefully when you get uh, a few more issues out there, we'd love to have you come back on and, and, and maybe talk a little Unit 44 and what's next. For sure. Uh, I'll be there. Awesome, Wes. We'll have a great rest of the week and we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks so much. You bet. Bye-bye.